0: this podcast is an examination of that research you can find more about this research and other topics on the website william-branham.org join us as we turn back the pages of time and examine the controversial issues of william branham and his message
1: let's pretend that i were an evangelist and large crowds gathered to see me. And let's pretend that I had put on such an act in all the other states and all the other countries so much that my fame had became more myth than fact. Let's pretend that crowds were filling the seats, and even some standing all around the walls as I stood up and I stood before the microphone. And I looked out all across the audience and I said these words, 80% of you guys are nuts. (laughs) It sounds comical. In fact, there would be walls emptying. Old ladies would be shaking their fists at me while young men are throwing tomatoes at the platform. I can just see that one little old lady from the black and white movies sitting there with her horn-rimmed glasses on, shaking her finger at me while she's staring me down. And she's calling me names that... Only the elderly would even understand. Yet that is exactly what William Branham did. I kid you not. By the time he started doing it, the congregations were already so programmed that they took these insults that he was giving them, and they just sat there saying, praise God, while he's insulting them thank you for letting the prophets see how stupid we are as if they're crying out let's take a few examples of this feeling the pressure this is in 1953 he says feeling the pressure when nervous people come to this platform there's at least right now in this building 80 percent of what's here nervous afflicting with nervous trouble here's another example also in 1953 in november that's just about 80% of the congregation got your trouble. You want me to show you how many in this building suffers with nervous trouble, just a nervous condition? Raise up your hands around the building everywhere. Here's another example, 1961. Come, lady, that's about 80% of this audience suffering with the same thing, lady. Let me show you out there that there's plagued with this nervousness. Raise up your hands, everybody. 1964, say, Brother Branham, I'm bothered with nervousness. Oh, there's about 80% of you with that. 1964, I could keep going and keep going and going. I won't. It, it doesn't make any sense to continue. But I have heard other message believers ridicule the other faith healing ministries for their wild claims and their generalizations based on the odds But when it comes right down to it, I think Branham was the only one brave enough to use the same percentage over and over and over all the time. It was almost all the time, 80%. The other wizards of Oz, they at least changed their numbers up a bit to fool the people. But Branham constantly (laughs) used 80% in his crazy statistics that he pulled out from behind the magic curtain or under his hat. Listen to these insulting statements that he gave to those who lived in Arizona. He says in 1965, They made an analysis all throughout Arizona, where I live, of all the schools. They gave all the children, unknowingly to them, a mental test. (laughs) And guess what? Including high schools and grammar schools, there was 80% of the children suffering with mental deficiency. It's unbelievable what he says. Uh, He says again later in 1964, well I told you the other day, there's taken analysis of the schools in Arizona where I I live. And he says, and 80% of the children in the schools are mentally retarded. (laughs) Another time, 1965. 80% of the children in Arizona schools are suffering with mental deficiency. 67% Six, sixty-seven percent of them was from looking at television. <laughs> I can almost hear him as he skipped town to the next meeting. <laughs> Did you hear that, honey? I called them a bunch of stupid people, and they said amen. Next time, maybe I'll call them a bunch of sissies for wearing their shorts and see if I can get a few amens from that. They'll never know that I wear them. <laughs> Branham knew the numbers game, and he played it well. Having deeply been involved in Jeffersonville, Indiana, otherwise known as Little Las Vegas, he knew how to use these numbers to change his situation. Listen to how William Branham stacks the odds in his favor. Now in the meetings, there's somewhat about 70 to 80% that passes through the prayer line. You hear that's healed in the space of 90 days, are well (laughs) another time he says this in 1950 oh my 80 percent of the people are sick now (laughs) now in an auditorium filled with people branham just stacked the odds that's all he did he stacked the deck he knew that a certain percentage of people would recover from their sickness without any intervention at all he also knew that he was over exaggerating the percentages in any group of people, in any given group of people, there is closer to only 10% sick, not 80 That leaves him with a spread of 1 to 8, which is better than any casino in Las Vegas. And with these gambling odds, Branham could hit every town or every city in every state of every country. You almost can't lose. Too bad there was no money behind this. Uh, oh, wait, there was. But... <laughs> He got crazy cocky with these odds that he himself had set up. He simply could not lose. So he started making these wild claims for the remaining 70% of the people that were never sick to begin with. He says in 1950, you'll find that at least 60 to 80% of every sick person in this building will be (laughs) healed in the next hour. In 1950, again, uh, the sermon um, preached in April, he says, I'm expecting God to heal at least 60 or 80% in here tonight, perfectly well before the service is over. (laughs) He goes on. All throughout his ministry, he does this over and over and over. An example in 1951, You just let 70 or 80% of what I pray for tonight be back tomorrow night testifying of a results that's happened to them i'll go forward in faith lord believing according to your will 1962 i say this with all my heart eighty percent of them were healed before they even knew where i was at <laughs> the funny part is that he knew there would be doubters he knew that there would be a percentage of people that would go through the lines and would not receive their healing. He knew this. So what can you do? How can I stack these numbers to be more in my favor? That's easy. He created the numbers in his own numbers game, so he can easily stack them more in his favor. Let's take the doubters out of the equation, making it more like 1 in 16 odds. 1951. But I say that 80% 80% of the people that comes to the platform doesn't even know what faith is. 1952. I find that 80% of the people say that they believe possess hope instead of faith. <laughs> 1956 he says this. Now if I had the whole world gathered here tonight and Christ were to come and perform there'd be at least 80% of them go away and say I don't believe it. <laughs> 1956, later, he says this. He says, no, I'm not speaking to the general public. See, all around like Chicago in a hole, which is another gambling town, we'd say or Durban, South Africa in a hole. See, something like that or (laughs) Mexico City in a hole. Well, they will respond to it 80% more than they will in America. (laughs) 1956 in April. These are great odds. Think of it. Great odds. Most casinos would never even touch this one because the odds are so heavily stacked in his favor. He practically can't lose. So then when you combine the stacked deck with the names and the addresses that those folks wrote on their cards and the sicknesses that they described on their cards, the odds get even better. If he can take just that little 10% that were likely to have been healed, and then boost their faith, mind over matter, then that 10% becomes more like 15 or 20%. Now, we also have to consider some of those who would have been healed anyway would not have been healed immediately. And remember, he said, they'll come back tonight and testify. But he knows that if they're going to be healed, by themselves by god of course but over time it takes time so you have to account for the duration in between (laughs) their visit to oz and between getting the brain for the tin man what to do let's take some of those numbers and that one also 1948 now in the meetings there's somewhat from 70 to 80 percent that passes through the prayer line here that's healed within the space of 90 days are well. <laughs> to think about this, to think that William Branham used these crazy numbers at the expense of humble Christians who were in need, it's unthinkable. It really is unthinkable. But to consider that, that they praised him for calling them stupid, it's it's comical. It's humorous. It really is. But to think that he did this in the name of God, it is blasphemy. There are no two ways about it. It is blasphemy. This reminds me of a prophecy that God gave to Isaiah. And you can read about it for yourselves in Isaiah 29. Listen to this. And the Lord said, Because this people draw near to me with their mouth, and honor me with their lips, while their hearts are far from me." Think about that. This is God speaking. The people are honoring him with their their lips and their mouths, but not their hearts. God says this, their hearts are far from me and their fear of me is a commandment taught by men. Think of the similarities. A commandment taught by men, don't wear earrings because the Bible says not to. It says the man, the Bible doesn't say it. Husbands divorce your wives as thus saith the Lord, but the Bible doesn't say it. It is a commandment taught by men. The Bible continues, therefore, behold, I will do wonderful things with this people. Think of that. These are people who are honoring God with their mouths and their lips but not their hearts. And God says, I will do wonderful things to this people. And with wonder upon wonder. But then God says this through Isaiah, And the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the discernment of their discerning men shall be hidden. Now that is a sobering thought. God just told them basically that he would do many great things for them. And he would be so consumed, these people would be so consumed with the wonders after wonders, after healing, after healing, after saying that 16 men died on the bridge, that they would become completely foolish. That's not me speaking. That is God speaking to Isaiah. These would be the 80% in Arizona. Foolish. The wise men, the wisdom of the wise men will perish. Now let me continue. And to those like William Branham, during the days of old who God thought, they thought that God would never find out, God sees everything. God continues and he says this, Ah, you who hide deep from the Lord your counsel, whose deeds are in the dark, out in Prescott, Arizona, And who say who sees us who knows us you turn things upside down God asks shall the potter be regarded as the clay the thing that should be made say of its maker he says he did not make me or the thing formed say of him who formed it he has no understanding It is not for a very little while until Lebanon shall be turned into a fruitful field, and the fruitful field shall be regarded as a forest. Now think of that. He is speaking to the children of Israel who have fallen to idolatry. And he is saying that he's going to bless Lebanon. But to those that are awakened by reading the word, a promise of joy is given. That is the part that touches me. The promise is the joy in the Holy One. Isaiah continues, In that day shall the deaf hear the words of a book, and out of their gloom and darkness the eyes of the blind will see. The meek shall obtain fresh joy in the Lord, and the poor among mankind will exult in the Holy One of Israel. To those who are scoffing, to those who are looking down on those who, the people who are now finding all of these lies and all of these failed prophecy, all of this deception, to those that are scoffing, that are found in the cult of William Branham, mostly who are standing behind pulpits, we're given peace in knowing that this scoffing is only for a while. If you continue reading in Isaiah, it says, For the ruthless, shall come to nothing and the scoffer shall cease and all who watch to do evil shall be cut off who by a word make a man out to be an offender that's exactly what's happened to me their words make me to be out an offender all i want to do is learn more about the bible and i could care less about this man this wizard of oz who stood behind the pulpit and said 80% of you are stupid. I really could care less. The Bible continues and says, They lay a snare for him who reproves in the gate, and with an empty plea, they turn aside him who is in the right. Think of that. They're turning aside the one who is standing for the truth in the word of God. Ask yourselves, do you really want to be numbered with that 80% that was mentally deficient? Do you really want that? Is your ambition in life, your sole purpose in life, to be part of William Branham's numbers game? And if so, do you really want to be that part, the mentally deficient? Why? Why would you want to do it? Wouldn't you rather be numbered, with those who serve Christ. It makes so much more sense so much more sense than being numbered with those who are mentally deficient. Those who were once deaf and they hear the word from the book, wouldn't you rather be that people? The book is the Bible, not those tapes or the recordings or the printed material of those lies. I'm talking about the real Word of God, the Bible. Wouldn't you want to be given? Fresh joy in the Lord, joy in exalting the Holy One. Decide for yourselves. Do you want to be the 80% that he called mentally deficient? Or do you want to serve the living God? The choice is yours. Make it today.